This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 449 for Tuesday, August 23rd. My name is Joel Duggan and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we're into. Joining me this week, Ryan Murphy is back. You can find him at Zombies Ate My Podcast, Dungeons and Diapers, and the Gamers In Podcast, as well as R. Murphy on Twitter. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you. It's great to be back. Uh, I see here you didn't put in the notes when the last time I was on, but uh, <laughs> I, I feel test. like it was only a month ago. It's only it's only so. been a couple of months. I think it was around June, around E3, I think is when we last spoke. Oh, that's right. Right. At, June feels like forever ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. And then at the same time, it's the end of August. I'm like, what happened to summer? Like when when did it become uh, back to school for some people in the States and soon Canada? You know, like it's just it's a it's a weird it's a weird feeling I, I find because it's it's still very warm and I don't think back to school in hot weather. I think back to school fall weather. I'm not sure about you, but that's kind of like where my brain goes. Yes. Yeah. I think before I had kids that were in school, back to school and, and between that window of actually going back to school and and having to prep kids for back to school. You're right. Like I think the all of a sudden you notice oh it's it's uh the sun's going down faster it's a little cooler at night um but yeah the fall is just around the corner and back to school back to school sales started like june 1 i think i've seen halloween stuff out at oh uh, some of the stores so. you took the joke out of my mouth i just i was out to get groceries the other day and there was halloween candy lining the candy aisles in the boxes and i was just like really like none of it had like the orange packaging like it was all just kind of standard like cadbury or you know um nestle or whatever the the main logo is you know it was like a red box or something like that it wasn't like specifically halloween themed but they definitely had like the Halloween boxes of small chocolate bars and stuff on the shelves uh, on, you know, this was a couple days ago. So August 20th, you know, uh, with Halloween not being until the end of October. On, on one hand, I guess I can forgive given the supply chain issues that a lot of places are suffering from. I can maybe understand big chains wanting to get their holiday stuff in and somewhere you know, rather than waiting until the normal time that they would order and only to have it be late. Because I mean, if your Halloween candy shows up on November 3rd, that doesn't really do you any good, you know? No, that that is true. That is true. They, But now, now it's going to be like, okay, now they're going to try to use that excuse to get Halloween candy out in June. Because um, mm. I don't even think that stuff expires these days, uh, or at least if it does, it's, it's a year out. Oh, probably um, more than that. <laughs> Yeah, it, I guess it depends on the on the kind you're buying, but I I th- I think you're right. I, that might be the case this year. Is they're just like, well, we got to make room uh, for Halloween, and I'm I'm honestly, for the record, I'm fine having Halloween stuff out early. That's fine by me. It's one day, so like everyone's got to get ready for one day, or or maybe two, depending on you know if you live in a some small communities will have like they'll move Halloween for for one reason or another, uh, maybe to get it on a week. I don't even know when it is this year, but. 
um it's when christmas stuff is kind of out super early because it's like it that that feels like more of a season that you're preparing for and it's like we we have plenty of time to get to that but uh halloween i'm fine with i I like seeing the costumes and stuff and seeing what's what's out there and what's popular so i think that when christmas comes early it does bother me more you know uh specifically and i know i've said this on the podcast before but i tend to not even think about christmas until after remembrance day november 11th in canada and even then i find too close to that is a little bit it just feels disrespectful you know like i feel like just wait wait a week you know mid-november i mean i think the states has got it right you know like the the late november thanksgiving holiday is kind of when the holiday stuff kind of starts i think that that's about right in terms of retail but it's always earlier and earlier every year as far as I'm concerned. Um, the one thing I do take advantage of is the Black Friday sales, which I'm reminding myself now that I should take advantage of because I'm in the market for a new camera and I don't know whether I should buy now or whether I should wait. But there's a lot of research that has to happen before that. But still, like it's one of those things where like I'm so close to it now that you just know that there's potentially you know decent savings during the Black Friday sales, especially online. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but True to form, whenever we have you on the show, you and I usually end up talking about gaming. And I've actually been doing a lot of gaming uh, the last week, specifically to the point where I don't really think I've watched much outside of like YouTube videos and small content and stuff like that. I don't have a lot to to real, really talk about. But I wanted to know what you have been playing since the last time we spoke. It's kind of a weird summer. Usually in summer, there's not a lot of games coming out. But this year... Uh, there was a very big game that was supposed to come out in September, but then oddly enough was pushed forward and came out three months early. And that was uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which is a JRPG on the Nintendo Switch. And yeah, like I said, it was originally supposed to come out in September, which I, I think for me would have been play it for a little bit and then get into all the other fall releases not that i didn't want to play it just that i would get easily distracted but they released it at the end of july so it's kind of been my go-to summer game for the last you know three or four weeks and that's really all i've been playing outside of a a, you know a few other um games but yeah it's a it's as the title suggests it's the third in the series um similar to final fantasy they are disconnected experiences you don't have to have played xenoblade chronicles one or two to fully appreciate uh three although i'll say this it really does help to have played one of the other ones in terms of like getting into the combat and the gameplay because it is one of those uh games that has like a more complex uh you know uh combat system it's it, it they layer it on not not thick but they layer it on piece by piece as you're playing there's lots of tutorials to kind of get you going but it is very much like you have direct control over your characters in battle you can move them around it's all in real time but it's all very auto battle focused so you you move your characters into position they start attacking they have an auto attack and then you're kind of using uh abilities which they call arts um and at the beginning of the game, you're just kind of queuing up art, like three arts and you're just hitting the button as they refresh and they refresh based on how much auto attacking you're doing. Very simple. But as the game progresses, they add like canceling abilities. So like queuing up your arts so that you can get more damage and bonus damage as you uh, cancel from one into the other. 
Um, they have like a super ability that you can charge up. They have like morphing. Like again, it gets so complex. So if you were to watch someone play 10 hours in, you'd be like, wow, this looks really complex in terms of a combat system. But again, like it is very much built up over the first 10 hours as you're as you're doing this combat. So I, I do suggest to people if they check it out to try to see more of the marketing uh, videos that kind of display it. Because I, I feel like if you were to watch just some YouTube video of someone playing <laughs> it might it might be like oh this looks really complex and it is and that's why i'm afraid to put it down because if i put it down i'll forget how to play when i go back to it um i'm looking at screenshots yeah. now and it looks like it's got more going on than some mmos that i've played yeah yeah it's a, it's a fairly uh large game and, and i think gone are the days uh where and i think the developers behind the franchise have really used the platforms to their best ability. Like they, they are a, a Nintendo second party or maybe Nintendo owns them, but either way, they, they work very closely with Nintendo. This is monolith uh, studios and they, they've made games of this caliber for even the Nintendo Wii. Like again, like I said, with this specific developer gone are the days of saying, Oh, well, this is a good game for uh, you know, a Nintendo Wii or Nintendo switch. Like they really do develop um, these big open expansive worlds with very complex uh, gameplay and and honestly like a really engaging uh, story mostly voice acted I'd say all the cinematic stuff is voice acted um, take it or leave it depending on on whether you like um, your you know the whether you want everything to be voice acted I, I personally prefer to have uh, at least the cinematic stuff to be voice acted I'm fine reading if it's like a side quest or um, it's just a simple interaction between characters to kind of move the plot forward. But when it's there's a lot of cinematic action in this in this game, uh, a lot of cutscenes, and I think that's where the voice acting really shines and and is required. Uh, I think when you're playing this game, but um, yeah, it's a big world. Like you open, you walk into these worlds, and you can see you know the vistas and the mountains and and in the background, and you see all the monsters sort of strewn across the landscape and. And you can avoid them if you want, or you can walk up to them and start, you know, initiating combat and stuff. And there's just, there's so much to do in this game. And uh, it it can be tough to look at it to, to know where to start. But I think like if you're looking at Xenoblade Chronicles, don't don't be fooled and be like, oh, I'll, I'll have to check out the first two. Because they are all available on the Switch. I, the developer did go back to the one that was on the Wii and uh, remastered it for the Switch. So you can play one, two, and three on the Nintendo Switch. But again, like I feel like in terms of, you know, uh, getting the best experience between the three, I think this third one really takes what worked really well in those first two and 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 made a strong case for you skipping right right to three. And that, like I said, you don't need to have played the other two story wise. There are connections, very limited uh, and very limited connections, and most of those connections would I haven't beat it yet, but. Uh, in two, most of those connections came in at the very end and it was a blink if you missed it type thing. Easter egg for, you know, fans of the series, but not required, um, you know, not in, and in terms of Easter, not even like to the terms of like a Marvel Easter egg where it's like, oh, I understood that reference and that's going to come into play in two <laughs> movies from now. No, this is just like, oh, that was that one character and, you know, stuff is happening in the background. I, again, it's, it's not as connected as it's very similar to final fantasy where you can you don't need to go back to final fantasy one you can just play 
7 Remake, if you want, which is what I did. I have not played a Final Fantasy game outside of, uh, to completion, that is, uh, outside of 7 Remake. But yeah, this JRPG has been keeping me very busy on the Switch uh, for my gaming uh, time. I actually thought that I had seen this before, but I had just seen something similar because I play mostly console on Xbox uh, or exclusively because that's the only console that I own. Uh, but it was Tales of Arise that looks very similar, at least in some of the promotion art and stills and stuff, to Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, but it looks like the combat in Xenoblade is like, is it, it's not turn, is it not turn-based, but it looks like you can swap characters or something? Yeah, so in this specific game, you have, very early on, you're controlling three characters, and uh, not long after that, after the prologue, uh, you do have control, direct control over six characters. You you can, as you're walking around in the overworld and in battle, you can switch between those characters uh, with the push of a button. So if you, and which is really cool because again, like like all games, you're going to have characters that you really like uh, and that you want to, uh, you know, play as more than others. And, and you're not, you're not, you're not, there are, there's obviously like a main character that the game is very much setting up as like, this is the person you start controlling. And if you never switch, that's fine. But honestly, the game really encourages you to switch up your characters, um, both from in terms of walking around in the overworld, but also in combat. And I think where that comes into play, especially in combat, is it gives you an opportunity to try out the different, um, they call them classes. But I think if you were a Final Fantasy uh, player, you might be more familiar with like the job system where instead of uh, instead of having like a set class for your character or choosing it from the very beginning, you can play as I think there are 40 different classes that all have different abilities and different mechanics. And obviously there are roles like damage, healing and, and defense. And you have to balance your team, especially if you're going up against some some harder enemies. But um, you can pick your favorite character and say, OK, uh, I'm going to switch up the class for this character that I really enjoy every, you know, every hour or two. And I, and I think that's what I've been doing as I'm playing through it as, as I'm unlocking new classes as I progress through the game. So by the time I get used to a class, I'm able to switch it out and be like, Oh, let's try something different. Now I'm going to play as my favorite character. Um, but this time she's going to be a healer. This time I'm going to make, you know, Noah, the main character, a, a defense person, even though they started as a, as a damage dealer. So it's very flexible in in that approach that's cool uh it's nice that you have those those options because i find or i found when i was into either rpgs or or mmos that you'd want to do one particular race because they look cool or you know for whatever reason you wanted to have a specific class or profession but then you find that it would be restricted you know like some specifically something like you know uh an elf and the, because the race has got like some sort of special ethereal ties, you can't be like a warlock or anything dark and creepy. You kind of have to be like a druid or a mage or something a little bit more bright and positive because of the race that you've selected. Um, whereas, and we'll get into this in a minute, whereas other games you can just, it's its not so much a class as it is like a profession or a even just a build out. You know, like I see a lot now where you can have like um, choose your character based on whatever RPG you want to like, whatever role you want to play. And then you just adjust 
as you level, you can say, you know, adjust the, the we'll call it the loadout, I guess. It's like choosing different weapons. Um, but you have different abilities and that ends up changing your playstyle because like maybe you end up being a little bit more tanky or maybe you end up, like you said, being a little bit more healing even though you didn't start out that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I've never really played a game uh, that uses this system. I, I Most of the, you know, action RPGs or JRPGs that I've played, like you, you have different characters in your party, but they have a specific class that, will evolve over time, get new abilities, get new, um, uh, new weapons, new, new equipment. But in this case, you are very much encouraged to, um, the system will actually tell you, like, once you hit a max rank with that class, like get to, I think it's rank 10, they'll say, Hey, there's no point in continuing to play with this character in this class, move on, pick a new one. And it's a big splash screen. And but that being said, if you've really enjoyed, I really liked uh, playing as this class. Um, when you unlock a new hero class, which is through a story quest or something, um, the that hero will uh, grant one person in your party. They call it, I think the the class inheritor, and that one character will will be able to play as that class right away. But as you play with that class in your party, your other party members slowly learn and unlock that class as well. So by the time you finish it with one character, a few others will have it unlocked. So if you really, oh, I had a great time playing as that uh, with those abilities for the last three or four hours or whatever, uh, I want to keep going. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put this class on another character and, and continue to progress with that hero and just keep going. And and again, like it's just, it's, it's a very flexible system and I'm sure it was a ton of work to implement because again, like you have six characters. I think there are 40 hero classes. So the permutations there, uh, because again, when you switch your class, it changes um, the way your your character looks like their their outfit is based on uh, the class that you choose. So if you're a damage dealer, um, you might have uh, like a, not just a giant sword, but you might have a different outfit on as well. And so they had to create those outfits for six different characters while still keeping them in line with their look and feel. So every it's totally unique in the way that they uh, they've set that up. Um, but, you know, the, it, it does save them from having to design a bunch of different armor. Uh, like there's probably like a balancing act there. But I really appreciate the way that they've set this this one up. And, you know, the, the story is uh, like, again, if you've played other JRPGs, I think you kind of have an idea going in as to what, you know, the story will be be like. And I think if you watch some of the marketing trailers from Nintendo, you'll get a good idea as to whether um, you'll you'll like the story. I personally, I'm enjoying the story. The characters are really uh, fun. It's again, it's a typical uh, sort of JRPG setup where you are a, a group of heroes. Uh, turns out the world is not as you know it. You've discovered something, you've un- and you are now the enemy of everyone, and you have to uh, travel across the lands to try to free uh, everyone from the bad guys, essentially. And uh, there are revelations along the way, I'm sure that will that have and will mix things up. But that's the basic setup: is you are six friends trying to save the world, which is again most RPGs. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you have it's these are specific friends. You're not creating characters like these are characters prefab from the game. So you've got, you know, a mix of male and female characters and you can't change that. You're just kind of stuck with whatever they've designed. Yeah. So the six characters in your party, uh, they are they're pre-designed. Um, there's no custom uh, 
uh, creations. However, like you do have a seventh bonus member in your party, and that's where the hero classes come in. So while you're not switching out your main party, you do have that seventh slot to allow you to augment your party. So say you want an additional damage dealer and you really like this one character that you picked up, you can set that slot to be that damage dealer. Um, and it does it does mix things up. It puts some fresh faces in the cutscenes and uh, the action. And, and I think, again, it goes a long way to offer that little bit of change um, because very much early on, like you get your six characters and they don't... They don't move away from that, uh, and it's a big RPG, so it's about, a, I think it's like 100 hours or so if you just kind of like go down the main path, so it's nice that at least you can change up that seventh slot, and I I find I'm changing it like, just based on story, I'd change it maybe like every four or five hours, so we're you're steadily unlocking uh, these new characters to add to your roster. And is the combat turn-based, or is it live? It, it is uh, real time. The combat's real time. And uh, I think where it can appear to be turn based, especially in, in the marketing stuff, is there are you have your arts that are slowly charging over time. So because it's real time, you can control your characters, you position your characters in a way that suits the arts that you're using, the abilities. And then as they charge, um, some arts might be more effective if you're attacking from the side. Um, some arts might work better if you're attacking from, you know, behind your enemy. Uh, and that is all, that all comes into the strategy and, and it really depends on which character, um, you're playing and it, it is all real time, but there's, there's some strategy to it as well. Like you want to queue up your abilities in a way that it's going to maximize damage. And, and there are other wrinkles that they implement, um, down the road in terms of, uh, just additional ways that you can deal damage. And it, it really is all about timing. Um, it is not a turn-based game where you can kind of set down the controller. Um, you kind of have to be active in the combat. So yeah, if, if you're looking for a turn-based game uh, from a JRPG perspective, this one isn't it. But um, I, I really found like the combat, it it's, it's like queuing up attacks. It's not as stressful. It's not like a... a it's not like a, a game where you have to be on the ball right away, but there are there are bonuses to kind of queuing up your attacks in in specific way and strategies and stuff. But it's not a it's not stressful. It, it's not laid back like a turn based game, but it's not stressful like say like a like a Call of Duty shooter or something like that. It's kind of a it's kind right. of an in between where you can sit back, analyze what's going on. Like you're not. As long as you're fighting enemies at your level, you're you're not going to wipe the party, <laughs> you know. Right. You should be fine. Um, but again, like I, I've really found the combat to be satisfying, but also not too stressful. It's a really good balance. Cool. I I've often been curious about the JRPG games like this, like Tales of Arise and other stuff that I see on Game Pass. And just very very often when I look into them, they end up being turn based, and they don't even look like they have much for animation it looks like it's just like a 2d sprite that kind of sits there on the screen across from another you know two or three 2d sprites and you just decide who attacks first and stuff and it's like well that doesn't seem like i'm using the xbox <laughs> for for a game that's really you know worth it now there might be animated cutscenes in the story that i'm missing out but i prefer like you know like you said um live action combat uh real time 
and stuff like that. So, and cause I've not found that I like turn-based games either. Like even if they are 3d and animated and there's like, when you do eventually fight, you know, you shoot your rockets or your lasers or your abilities or whatever. And I just, I don't find I like those. I, I much prefer the, I like to be able to control and be immersed in the 3d world and kind of walk around and run around and stuff. Yeah. And tales of rise is, is real time, um, real time combat, but you know, they, they did something in a way where when they, so they had, they would have cinematic moments in tales of rise, but they would also have moments where I think they called them skits. There was a lot of, uh, they would dial back the cinematicness of it and it would be sort of like a comic book style presentation. It was all voice acted in, in those moments. Um, but they, it wasn't all cinematic 3D movement. It was sometimes presenting like more of a 2D um, approach in terms of telling the story. But for the most part, that one was all real time. That one was all have uh, full voice acted cutscenes. And um, I, I think for for Xenoblade, they 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 do prioritize um, action sequences with voice acting. So there are a lot of cutscenes where you can set the controller down and watch what's going on on screen. Um, but there are other moments where you have to do some some reading and such. But it's not it's not that it's not long winded. I think they they really do understand like okay, um, let's save the you know exposition and the story explainers for like the cutscenes and stuff. And then when we just need to get from point A to point B, let's do a couple quick uh, voice dialogues that, that the player will have to read. And um, but yeah, it it certainly takes advantage of the Nintendo Switch. Like it really plays really well docked plays. Uh, really well uh, undocked so you can play it handheld and the only you know sort of critique I've seen in terms of playing handheld is that the text gets really small and there's a lot of stuff on screen so if you are on a switch light you might take some time to get used to the UI and 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 what you're doing in the game but if you're playing uh, on a normal switch where you can be docked or undocked I find like it's best to play enough docked on the big screen so that you kind of know where all the ui elements are and then when you're playing uh handheld mode like it's not as big a deal um but again that's something that switch players have been battling for the last uh, five years so most folks i think have gotten used to it but if you're a new switch player and you you want to pick up this big jrpg for for handheld mode only you probably will uh, have some growing pains uh, with the ui in in such a small screen space from the screenshots, there does look to be a lot on screen to handle. Like I, I said, it does kind of rival MMOs in terms of what I've seen on, on screen in big battles and like raids and, and stuff like that. Well, speaking of RPGs uh, and leaning into the MMO RPG, I have had the itch lately to get back into an MMO. And ironically, it's more for the open world story and quests and exploration than it is any kind of like end game raids where you see like you know lots of numbers and boxes and windows and stuff with like 60 people taking on some crazy world boss and after a bunch of research i decided to get back into guild wars 2 and i say back with giant air quotes because i played very briefly i think i got to level five uh back in like 2012 or 2014 or something like that i i just never had the time to get back into another mmo um for folks that don't know i've played world of warcraft for years um long long time ago probably ending around 2012 2014. Um, i think i tried to get back into it around 2014 with some friends from work but ultimately just 
didn't find it all that compelling and I just didn't have the time, but I do now. And after looking around and seeing that the popular choices were Guild Wars 2, Elder Scrolls Online, and Final Fantasy, is it 14? I can't remember which one is the MMO version of that game. There's so many. I've never been a big Elder Scrolls fan. I, I played Skyrim. It wasn't my favorite. So Elder Scrolls as a world I wanted to immerse myself in just felt like a lot of gray. And I wasn't really interested in that. Um, I also believe it has a subscription. And I wasn't sure if this is something that's going to stick because, you know, it's been a while. Uh, Final Fantasy, I've just never played them. I've, I'm not a big anime fan. And I find that a lot of the games, from what I see from the art and the um, Final Fantasy advertisements i just it doesn't really appeal and uh, with a little bit more research and some feedback from people that are playing various mmos guild wars 2 rose to the top as uh, a front runner even though it is 10 years old it does have a free-to-play model so you can have two different characters uh and you can play up to level 80 i think for free and then the expansions the most recent of which was just in february is where you'd have to pay if you want to expand the content and things like uh i think eight of the nine races are available to free-to-play players if you want the extra race or, or not sorry not race uh profession so the the type of play that you're doing that is exclusive to one of the expansions uh and so it's one of those things where i you know the price is right uh i already had an arena net account i had to reset it like i had to contact support and get them to like reset my password and stuff because um the last time i played i don't even think there was an authenticator on the account so like i had to take care of all that kind of security stuff but it's all sorted out now the other reason was that when i looked into other mmos that looked more interesting more modern uh they're all delayed the the one that seemed to be getting a lot of attention online was called throne and liberty and i'm glad i wrote it down because i can never remember the name of this because i've just i've never heard of it uh and that has been recently delayed until q1 or q2 of 2023 and there is rumors of a riot not rumors but like the the people have speculation uh, about riots mmo which i believe is in the works but there's no news about it because riot isn't saying anything um, but that like no one knows how long that's going to take before it's available. It's probably years away, uh, which doesn't help the MMO itch right now. So that's why I'm into Guild Wars 2 and Guild Wars 2 is celebrating its 10th anniversary. As a matter of fact, it's today or that's that's the date that they've chosen to to do this. The uh, Steam version of the game is launching today, though I already had an ArenaNet account. So I just stayed with that. I didn't create a new Steam account. Uh, worth noting that if you have a Steam account and you want to move to an ArenaNet account later, you can't do that. Uh, you can play with friends. So new people joining on Steam can play with existing members on ArenaNet. That's not a problem. Uh, it's just that because the free-to-play model for Guild Wars 2 has any kind of like rewards or gems or anything like that is account-based, you can't transfer to a different account like that's going to be tied to like real world money in some cases most of that stuff if not all of it is is aesthetic with the exception of buying um expansions that's like gameplay access uh there's also twitch drops um for the first time guild wars 2 is doing trip twitch drops those launch today at 12 o'clock pacific uh, i'm going to be streaming uh, i streamed last night uh and uh, we created a character i created a norn warrior he looks like the hulk and um Geralt of Rivia had like a twin <laughs> they've kind of combined them he's a monster uh it's going to be pretty fun 
I think to explore the warrior uh, profession, I, I often will go with like a paladin like class or even like a try to go against type and go like a spellcaster. But I just thought, you know what? I kind of just want to bash stuff because Guild Wars 2 has like action combat that like you can dodge and move over the way of some things. And so I thought having a warrior could be could be kind of interesting. Uh, the uh, the other thing that's happening is there's a patch updating today as well. Uh, that's going to be addressing some balance changes. That's more for people later on, I think, in the game. Leveling and quality of life, though, will affect how uh, my experience goes. So I decided to create the character last night live on stream and then wait until after the update comes out today. Uh, so I'll be streaming with Twitch drops turned on later and doing my very first levels. Like we're currently level zero or one or whatever you want to call it on standing at the starting zone. And that's where we finished the stream yesterday. And I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, it's a little bit strange. Like it's I, I spent so much time in WoW that having different graphics and different controls. And I mean, they're similar, but different. Um, even just the way that the camera moves is a little bit strange. And I would have had custom settings back in the day on WoW. So now I've got to kind of go into my controls and kind of sort that out in Guild Wars 2. Uh, but one thing I noticed immediately streaming last night was how helpful, respectful, and funny the new people in chat were. Uh, I brought in a number of new people just because I was playing Guild Wars 2, and they, because of the hype around the game right now, I think a new uh, a few people found my stream, and they were really nice. You know, they were um, offering help, but politely. They weren't trying to backseat or like tell me what to do and. I had questions about the character creator. I had questions about like, if I go back, do I lose my progress? Like all that kind of stuff. Do the choices I'm making here matter in terms of gameplay? And they're like, nah, this is just like a little bit of story flavor. Like you being more aggressive in your character choices in terms of your personality just means that you're going to be a little bit more gruff in cutscenes, and you're not going to be quite as like forgiving or graceful or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's fine. Like, I don't need to be charming. I'm okay with being a bit of a a brute, you know, as a warrior, I'm okay with being blunt, you know, in my conversations and different cutscenes. Because unlike other MMOs, uh, Guild Wars 2, your character is voiced in the cutscenes, which I think is really cool. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's been a long time. Like I said, I messed around with a char character, which is like a, a hyena or a cat like person, um, but they're quite big. They're quite muscular. Uh, and uh, the Norn are, as it sounds, based on like a Norse people and they're like giants they're head and shoulders taller than humans so i basically went th with the biggest norn i could find and made them about as wide as i could make them and so i'm i'm a walking house and i'm hopefully going to find a weapon that looks like a door and a stick and just you know be able to to smash enemies with it so i'm looking forward to it it's been a while since i've been in an mmo and you and i talked about this i think um in between uh podcasts but you you've either played guild wars 2 or you at least checked it out at one point I yeah so it's been a while so the game originally released in 2012 so as you said 10 year anniversary um and I'm trying to remember I remember playing Guild Wars 1 and it was a big deal because at the time wow was huge um it was it was I think probably right around the burning crusade when Guild Wars 2 was released and I think what what the major function of it was at least back then was that it was a pay up front no subscription um, you just got access to it. You bought expansions. I, I think I'm recalling that correctly. That was its big selling feature is that you just bought the game. Um, and I think I bought I, I bought it at launch. And I remember uh, actually how I was trying to find out was just searching in my email like, okay, w Guild Wars 2 and, and hoping something would pop up to kind of remind me of when I played. But 
I do remember buying Heart of Thorn, uh, Heart of Thorns, which was their first expansion, uh, but I have not checked it out since. Um, it is really cool that it's coming to Steam. It, it is unfortunate that you can't log in to your so you can't so you can't you can't they're two separate accounts but you can cross play right is that what you're saying yeah so i have an nc uh, i have a not nc soft i have an arena net account that's where i originally started because obviously it wasn't on steam 10 years ago and if you a new player will say created a steam account today and decided to download the game and 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 play it then you and i could play together i think the only restriction is that you and i would have to be on the north american uh realm so there's right. realms and worlds, and I th- I don't think you have to be on the same world, but you certainly have to be on the same realm, uh, and and it's confusing. I got a lot in a, in a good way. I got a lot of answers yesterday live in Twitch chat, but it was all going by so fast, like I didn't really retain all of it. I I got the question answered in the moment, but then didn't remember five minutes later. Um, right. So yeah, you you can. I think the it, there's something to do with PVE, so player versus the world. It's a lot. It's like everybody's all together, but then PVP gets um, segregated in that like North America can't can't fight EU because of like probably lag and just like that kind of stuff with with competitive play. So if you're more of a player versus environment person like I am, then um, playing with friends across platform shouldn't be a big deal. I, I think that a couple of people in the community just decided to just switch over and play on the North American server. Um, I'm on, I can't remember what it's called, Dragon Hold or Dragon Born. I think it's Dragon Hold uh, is, this, is the world that I'm on. But And I didn't choose it. When I logged in, it brought me to my old character creation screen with the char. I just deleted it. I thought, you know, I'm not going to try and start from level five. That would probably be confusing. Like I'd rather just start fresh. And mm-hmm. I also wanted to have the like the full leveling experience as they've reimagined it with this new update. So I thought I'll just delete the, char- the character. Like it's been years. There's nothing important tied to this character. I still have the account. So any account reward is going to be there. Um, but you're right. The the account thing is what you can't you can't cross over because I think what it means is like if someone gives you steam bucks, then you could use it to buy cosmetics in Guild Wars 2. And right. you, they don't want people to be able to translate Steambox from Steambox out to real world money in our, an ArenaNet account, I guess. Um, I'm not sure exactly the, the logics. There's probably a bunch of different technical stuff behind the scenes, too, because it, apparently it's been a while. I, I don't know, but the people that have been following learning about Guild Wars 2, they've been talking about Steam for quite some time. And right. apparently it was supposed to be released and then they delayed it. So now they kind of like put it all in this 10 year anniversary thing. Yeah, I think it, it's so it's interesting. It's like some some games uh, will do basically you can uh, buy it, your get the game through Steam and uh, like it's just a launcher essentially that launches the client for the MMO. Um, it sounds like if they are restricting and, and basically creating two versions of the game uh, that work together, uh, it sounds like you log in with your Steam account and um, yes. Yeah, so that that that's an interesting approach. I mean, honestly, it's it's it allows folks who want to live within the Steam ecosystem to continue to do so. I mean, personally, I don't like having like I like to have my games within a launcher that I know and trust. And there are plenty of launchers, uh, but 
Yeah, like I, I would. It's funny. I'm going, I'm going through ArenaNet, and I'm like, I don't even think I know the password to my account. Like, how hard is it going to be to like get back into it? Like, did I have two factor? I don't even think they had two factor authentication. No, back they, in, they didn't. As day. far as I can tell, no. I, I actually got my account unlocked in a day. It was I, lo- I reset my password because I didn't remember it, and mm-hmm. I got the email to reset it. It allowed me to reset it, but then when I tried to log in, ArenaNet told me that my account was blocked for security reasons. More than likely just because it was an inactive account for years. And they just thought, better safe than sorry, let's just lock it down for inactivity, preventing any potential hacking from happening. And we'll just you know deal with it when the time comes, if the person ever comes back. And when I did, I just emailed support, which I couldn't do from inside ArenaNet. I couldn't create a ticket because you couldn't log in to create a ticket. Um, but you could just email support. And I said, look, I have access to this email. This is the email that I used to reset the password, which worked correctly. I was, I was, you know, informed that I was blocked because for security reasons, I have access to this email address. Uh, I would like to reactivate my account. Please advise. I was emailed back within four to six hours. I streamed Minecraft that afternoon. So I don't remember exactly how long it was, but I get, I get a reply back same day. Uh, and then they basically said, I've unlocked your ArenaNet account. You have to reset your password again. Um, and that's fine. I just, I made it the same thing as like, I made a new password, a new secure password earlier that day. I just typed it in again and it worked. I thought for for a second, I might have to change it a little bit, but they just, they let me use the, the brand new secure password. And then the very next paragraph in the support email was like, and here's all the different ways that you can keep your account secure. And here's a link to the different authenticators that we, you know, utilize with, um, two-factor on ArenaNet. And so I just, I use the Google Authenticator. And so it's the same one I use for a lot of different games and things like that. So it's very simple, straightforward. It took me five minutes once I got the email to reclaim the account and start downloading the client, the the game. Like it was, it was pretty simple. So for anybody out there that's interested uh, in the discord, we have a Guild Wars 2 channel. Uh, We're going to be talking about like where we're planning, what we're doing. Uh, I'm hoping this is going to catch on it's going to be hopefully it's something that's fun and social for people that are interested in playing an mmo um i know it's 10 years old but from what i can tell the people that i've been watching stream on twitch to kind of familiarize myself with the game a bit uh have been positive and fun and it's a bright colorful game it's got i want to say slightly better graphics than wow but then still has some quality of life stuff that i thought was frustrating with wow like what i mentioned earlier it doesn't matter what race you choose. You can be any of the nine professions or any of the eight professions with the free to play. So you just, you just pick your flavor, you know, like you can look how you want to look and then choose the way that you want to play based on your profession. Your race has got nothing to do with it other than how cool you look as a Norn warrior versus uh, an Azura warrior. The Azura are like the little Yoda like looking guys, which don't look overly aggressive you know (laughs) their culture is more about gadgets and gears and inventions and potions and things so um but yeah it's it's been fun to to learn about so far i'm I'm curious to see how the launch is going to go today i'm hoping i'm going to be able to log into the server uh i did not check because it didn't bounce me back out to the server select screen when i changed my character and it just put me on the same server which happened to be a high population server which will be higher today i'd imagine so uh, we'll see how that goes, but uh, it should be fun. I was surprised how much enjoyment and conversation I got out of a character creation stream last night on Twitch. So 
I mean, playing the actual game should be a lot of fun. I'm sure very frustrating for any Guild Wars 2 seasoned vets in the chat that are going to watch me fumble over an MMO that I haven't touched in 10 years, but we'll we'll see how that goes. I was just looking at it, and I was trying to determine what I had on my account because there are expansions, but it's hard to tell, like, so are expansions free? Like, are some of the expansions free? Because I know the game's been in a while. Do you have to you have to buy all them? I think the expansions are are paid. So there's no subscription, as far as I know, for access. But the expansions, I think, are along the lines of that's where they're making their money. So like, you get the game's been out for ten years. So the base game up to level eighty is free, and then if you want to get into like current end game, which would be like the raids at the end of these expansions or the story um, because the story continues in the expansions as well then you have to pay for the expansion uh, and yeah. the only other thing that costs real world money is um, gems and those are used to buy cosmetic things like uh, I think there's armor sets you can buy different mount things you can there's a transmog system apparently and I don't know this yet because again I'm just starting but apparently like the whole fashion economy i think is what they call it in guild wars 2 it's basically just like people wanting to trick out their characters to make them look as cool as possible i'm just looking at their website so this is likely in american dollars here uh i'm guessing but it's uh so the first two expansions you get as a bundle for 30 bucks you can buy the third expansion standalone for 30 dollars as well or you can buy all the expansions that are available um heart of thorns path of fire and end of dragons for 50 dollars. so that that's not a bad deal to catch up on all that content no and and they've got i think that special happening now because of the the anniversary there's supposed to be some sort of bundle where you can buy all of them in one go on steam um i thought someone said it was 90 dollars, but i must be forgetting about something oh you know what it is there's there's more than expansions there's world events or world something which are not expansions but they're almost like paid access to content um I, I don't remember what they're called again like i've had so much information thrown at me in the last like week <laughs> since i decided to to pull the trigger on this uh and explore it so um i'll be taking my time uh later today streaming on on twitch and i've been posting the vods on my youtube channel which is uh, joel duggan vods my main youtube channel is strictly for minecraft edited content but i've got a vods channel that's like uh guild wars 2 it will be it's got minecraft vods it's got satisfactory vods on it so i just kind of archive my twitch vods there so for people that want to see the character creation and want to follow uh the i guess the adventures of my warrior then uh check out Joel Duggan VODs or uh, just Joel Duggan on Twitch. I'll be probably streaming uh, more this week than not because the drops go from the 23rd to the 28th. So I'll be trying to fit in as many Guild Wars 2 streams as I can. Um, I will also be playing Satisfactory and and Minecraft, of course, on my regular days. But um, hopefully we'll see people there. So over the weekend, you and I had a chance to play Halo Infinite multiplayer. Uh, which I had not had a chance to experience at all before. And you've played, I want to say, most of the Halo games? I think I've played all of them. Halo is a game that, or a franchise that I was obsessed with uh, when it first started. And I think it was basically Halo 1 through 4, that uh, I think 4 being sort of the tail end of... Um, I still I still love Halo, but it was, it, it was one of those things where <laughs> once you play 5 or 6 in the entry, or in the franchise... It's like, ah, you know what? I'm, I'm cool to wait for the next one. I, I think we've, we've gotten that taste and, 
Um, I'm, I'm good to wait, uh, excited to play new ones. And, and I think infinite was the same deal is like, take the time to, to release it. It was delayed a year. Um, like a whole year it was supposed to launch with the series X and, and, and was delayed. And, and again, when I played it at launch, I was like, I'm really glad to be back with halo. Um, I don't need to play another one of these like right away. I'm con- again, content to wait, but, uh, but I've had a lot of fun, uh, with the franchise over the last man, I guess a decade and a half it's 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 been going on for quite a while i tried to get into the first halo when they re-released the i think it's the master chief collection or something they released it for like the xbox series x and i think maybe steam or something like that all at the same time probably around an anniversary and i tried to get into the first game and i just it was fine but i just i found it kind of clunky and frustrating and i didn't understand what was going on and after talking with you, uh, once I got my Xbox Series X, uh, you said that you could probably just jump into Halo Infinite and not really be too far out of the loop as far as the gameplay goes. Plus, then you'd have like modern graphics and, you know, modern controls and stuff like that. And uh, I, I mean, like I I'm guilty of playing Halo Infinite single player when it first came out and not giving it enough time. I played probably an hour and because I'm not the best at it, I was frustrated with it and I ended up not even getting out of the intro mission, which in my opinion was a little bit too long and felt very samey. And it wasn't giving me a lot of story bits to keep me going. It was more just like shoot more bad guys. Like, yep, but why? Like, tell me why I'm going through all of this. Uh, But then uh, I decided I was in the mood for a first person shooter and I got back into it uh, a few weeks ago and I completed what was probably the last 10 minutes of the intro mission. And I thought like, well, crap, had I just given it 10 more minutes, then I would have been down on the Halo surface in the open world map, which is a very different experience than the intro. It's much better. It's much more immersive. There's way more to do. There's more choice. There's more story. There's more everything. And I just got sucked in. I started doing the campaign and following things through. I'm a completionist, so I've been picking up my upgrades. I've been grabbing my cosmetic stuff that don't matter in single player, but matter in multiplayer, I guess, and then doing the story. And I mean, I've been really enjoying it. It's it's um, grabbed me in a way that I didn't really expect, even though I'm really foggy on the history. Like I just, I've got this AI that's not Cortana, who I who I know like through pop culture I know who Cortana is but like it's not Cortana I think her I think she's just called the weapon I don't think she has a name because uh, right. I just keep on calling her not Cortana because <laughs> I know that's what she, I just know it's what she's not um, and I like her like she's got a great personality that she's she's the jokey comic relief you know she's a little bit cocky and snarky and um, Master Chief is a man of few words uh, but when he does say something I find that usually it's like action movie joke funny like he's usually kind of sarcastic or uh you know kind of like action movie one-liner kind of kind of stuff um i find the gameplay a little bit repetitive uh up until you get to the boss fights the boss fights usually teach you something new uh you have to use a new mechanic but um i um i find everything pretty good like i said i'm just lost on on the story but um as far as the things that they're doing right I feel like things like terrain traversal and the grapple um, for like pulling yourself up on the ledges or, you know, stunning enemies is really good. The voice acting is really good. Like I said, not, not Cortana is, is, is fun. I think it's Jen Taylor that does the voice. Uh, the open world map is really cool. The last time I played a Halo game, again, very briefly, I felt like I was on rails 
Whereas this is cool. You can, if you've only got 20 minutes, you can log in and just like take a forward operation base or just go hunting for upgrades and you'll end up shooting enemies and having battles, but it's not going to be like as in depth as a, as a story mission, which is beefy. Like I, I sat down one night to play for an hour and I ended up playing for like two because the one mission that I was on took that long to complete. It was that much of a fight. And I thought that, you know, that's pretty good in terms of keeping the story beats and the um, objectives coming at you like what ends up happening is like oh we have to go explore this thing and shut it down and then when you get there they've sabotaged the thing and you can't shut it down the way that you thought so then you have to do like four more tasks in order to shut down the thing or whatever it happens to be uh and i found that that was cool it just means that i was playing for a lot longer than i expected which i guess as far as content goes like that's a good thing for gamers like you kind of want it to be more complicated than you expect and Halo was not that complicated, so it's nice when they kind of throw you those those twists. Um, I do find that the guns are really fun. I don't remember the names of most of them, but if this list is going to be true, the one that surprised me the most and actually made me laugh out loud was the Sentinel Beam. Are you familiar? Yeah, that's the one you just you just point at it and and it, and it shoots a, a laser, right? Laser, but I mean, we're talking like it vaporizes the bad guys into like dust kind of like when Thanos snapped his fingers in Avengers Infinity War like it just they completely vaporize and uh and it makes a really satisfying deep like zap noise and kind of shakes your controller and I I picked it up going like well this looks cool like I mean it's called a sentinel beam I'm assuming some sort of laser weapon but then when I pulled the trigger and the guy in front of me just like evaporated it's like okay sci-fi game you win uh that was very satisfying because most of the time i'm running around with an assault rifle uh and that that i do find problematic i think that no matter what i do i always seem to want an assault rifle and then some sort of energy weapon as my second i really want to carry a sniper rifle but i don't feel like i can have i can't leave the assault rifle behind and i feel like i have to bring an energy weapon because otherwise the dudes with shields just eat your ammo and I feel like you kind of have to take those two things. And so by comparison, the other first person shooter that I played a lot is um, Borderlands. And I think you get a slot for every type of weapon in that game. And I would prefer at least three slots for Master Chief, if not more. I feel like he should be able to carry a lot. Um, but uh, it's been a little bit frustrating there. But I, I know we're um, pressed on time. So I want to talk about the multiplayer because that's really you know, the thing that was new to me. So you and I on Saturday night uh, hung out live on Xbox. And I have to say, like, our connection and, like, audio and stuff was pretty good. Like, for just connecting over the Xbox with, you know, earphones and the controller, like, I was impressed by the fact that um, we had a pretty seamless connection. Yeah. No, I... uh, We were talking a bit about it um, after we had played. And and for me, I I, I love to play video games, but I I am... stuck in my ways where if I have a small amount of time, like if I have an evening to play video games, I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump into my latest, um, you know, solo adventure like Xenoblade uh, Chronicles three. But I've, I've tried to, uh, basically anytime someone reaches out, it's like, Hey, do you want to play multiplayer games? Like, yes, doesn't matter. Let's do it. doesn't matter what we play. Cause I'm just so bad at not setting up those multiplayer, uh, games. I love Halo. And, and I think when I was talking to you, I hadn't played in like six months. I, I played around launch um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun and, and I, I think that the, the Xbox ecosystem, uh, there is cross play so you can, it's all tied together by the Xbox profile. 
and you can use uh, we were using party chat but there is in-game chat as well although i i prefer party chat this way you're only hearing the person you're playing with um that's just my approach uh although i know if we were all on comms some of the modes we were playing probably would have gone a bit better but to be honest like i had fun no matter what so oh for sure and if everybody on the team is trying then if everybody kind of understands the map and knows what you're doing then i think it works out well that was the thing that surprised me the most was the different modes and how much i like them because the last time i played multiplayer first person shooter it was basically just free for all it was either one team versus the other you know axis versus allies or it was um a free-for-all and i i prefer the objective-based maps because i'm not the best person person shooter nor am i the best with a controller on the xbox for that kind of stuff i'm definitely more of a mouse and keyboard fps person and with this like i found that the and what was it called it was the not encampment it was um it was in the event that we were playing and it was basically yeah. like every round three control points would show up in the map and yes there'd be firefights as you and the other team were con- trying to fight over control but there was three points and four players per team so you had kind of had to divide and conquer and ultimately like two of you would go to one control point and it was a matter of like were you going up against one of the other team two of the other team maybe three of the other team and if you had everybody on comms it would be easier to divide and conquer but we did okay on some maps where like the other two people that we couldn't hear were obviously skilled enough and knew what was going on that they would try hard and if we went to one point they would go to the other and we ended up doing okay yeah i think that uh that mode was like so they when we were playing they had not only so there's a uh, battle passes and stuff and um the the event that was running had its own separate event battle pass and it was one specific mode that you played and to to complete quests to get xp and stuff and it was uh it was sort of a more fast-paced king of the hill uh and it took us some time to kind of get used to the the strategy of it because again like if you just captured the the point closest to you then the other team would divide and conquer and take the other two and, and you'd always be outnumbered and uh there were weren't rounds per se but there were like there were three spots that would spawn each time and and you're right like you would always have a firefight and depending on and and the respawn timer was quite long so again like if you died uh you kind of left your team um at a disadvantage because then they'd have to defend uh against one extra player uh, and they'd have uh they wouldn't have an extra player on their side so yeah, it was a lot of fun that that mode, and and we did switch it up occasionally. We moved into like a more general playlist as well, um, which had I think we played we played around to capture the flag. We played a round of King of the Hill, um, and that sort of expanded upon how many players were in the game, and uh, certainly made vehicles more viable. The, the I think the event that was running was more of like a anytime someone was using vehicles, they lost that route because <laughs> it was it was a very um, tight gameplay style the event stuff usually had more corridors and platforms and vertical traversal like i always was very happy when i found a grapple on the battlefield because i'm so used to having one in single player that getting vertical is advantageous and easy in single player but without it i was kept on pressing the empty button going like gah i don't i don't have this thing like i really i really miss it it reminds me of batman uh the arkham series where you can just kind of like look up and grapple anything and be pulled into the air immediately and and they do that very well you know especially when they uh use it as a stun um and that's where i suffer in multiplayer is that i'm not good when people are like super up close i can't seem to time the melee strikes very well and so that's that's a problem for surviving (laughs) in that in that 
kind of close quarter battle. Um, I got a little bit frustrated, I think, later on, but I think it just could be the fact that like some of these people are just really, really good. Um, but I, I was just, ref- it was refreshing to not have like a, a f- everything absolutely 100% depending on whether or not you can get a headshot. You know, like that was not the case in the gameplay. Like there was definitely strategies. We ran into some people where we won handily because like they were either just not playing the strategy, either didn't understand it or didn't care. And that felt bad winning too, because like, well, that wasn't even challenging. Like I, I preferred the matches where we won like 11 to nine or 11 to seven or something like that. Like we would be, it would be a, a much tighter competition. Yeah. There were definitely moments where I think matchmaking was on our side and then, and then it wasn't. Um, and yeah, like there's, I think with the smaller matches, like the more bite-sized ones, it, the, the sort of AFK detection, um, didn't kick in quite fast enough for the other team. Uh, but I think if you're playing on longer modes, there's there's a bit more systems in play that will um, try to get a, you know an active player back in. But yeah, like uh, the, the most fun we had, I think, were the really close matches, the more evenly uh, matched uh, playing. And I think that's where, because we were we were playing as a party. I think it tries to at least match us with another team that has like a, like a party playing as well. Um, which, which then can bring in, uh, more advanced players, right? Cause they're playing together. But, uh, for the most part, I think you and I were ranked, we were around the same rank, like in, in terms of matchmaking, we probably had a similar, um, profile setup uh, in terms of the experience we had in the game. So I think it was pretty evenly matched. Like we, we had a, we there weren't many modes that we kind of got uh rolled over so uh, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun and i think we ended up playing like 3 3 hours or so it was it was a good time it was close to that it was close to that it was it was fun to kind of have that um interaction because i i i share video games live on stream all the time but it's just me playing and then talking about what i'm doing and it's really different when you've got someone you know in your ear that you're playing with and have to strategize with. Like I have to communicate to you that I'm going to, you know, capture point A and you're like, okay, I'm going to C. And then five seconds later, like, no, no, C's got like three people (laughs) or something like that. Like you're dealing with, you know, oh, that's their strategy and you're letting me know what's going on. And I just find that fun. Like it kind of, I can, it reminds you of being in an action movie when people are talking over comms and like saying the lines and doing that kind of stuff. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and I need to do it more often because like the Xbox is so good at that and I don't take advantage of it as often because when I'm casually gaming for myself, I don't tend to be at the computer because I spend so much of my workday at a computer and with streaming being part of my job, which I enjoy immensely, it is still more time in the computer chair. And I prefer sometimes to have like a relaxing time on the couch. Well, that is the end of this episode of the Citadel Cafe. If you enjoyed the things that Ryan and I talked about today and want to find some links, you can check that out at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod and you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server shared with my personal Discord and access to the Barista Cuss bonus audio sessions. Special thanks to our Bean Counter Patrons, Cosmic and Smurf588. Patron count 
is steady on at 28 this week. If you'd like to be patron number 29, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. Listen to my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com and follow me on social media at Joel Duggan and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be streaming Guild Wars 2 along with Minecraft and Satisfactory. So look for more content on Twitch from me moving on into the fall. Ryan, dude, thanks so much for taking the time today to hang out. Where can people find you and all the cool things that you're doing online? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at rmurphy and you'll find uh, all the podcasts that I'm currently doing at tgistudios.com, which includes The Gamers In, our general gaming podcast, uh, Zombies Ate My Podcast as well, which is, uh, uh, you may be familiar with Lou, who, who guests on TCC in the past, um, we do a zombie podcast and uh, also Dungeons and Diapers, which is a uh, general geek podcast while also uh, chatting about our parenting adventures. I think this week we're doing uh, a spoiler uh, conversation for Spider-Man No Way Home because it's now available on streaming, at least here in Canada, on Amazon Prime Video. And also uh, I did a I did a road trip with my youngest and got to play around with um, some Apple CarPlay stuff. So we'll have some tech. We'll have some strategies for interrupting naps uh, while trying to drive three hours. So <laughs> lots of fun to be had on that podcast. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. <laughs>